history nerds and historians. My name is Christina and this is F-Dop History, where we talk about a little type of mystery. That's super fucked up. So last week we talked about the curse of Giles Corey and it was kind of heavy. Uh, and by kind of heavy, I mean really heavy. Um, so I typically try and like not stack heavy stories on top of each other. I usually try and go back and forth between like the heavy true crime and the lighter stories. Um, but, but this story today is kind of related to the curse of Giles Corey. Um, so I felt like it was a good time to talk about him now when it's kind of like fresh because there isn't a curse of Giles Corey without George Corwin. He's a peach. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and practice your oh good god, what the fuck faces. George Corwin was born on February 26th. 1666. Yes, his birth year was 1666. Therefore, I have determined that he is the devil. Uh, I mean, he wasn't a good dude, so he kind of lived up to it, honestly. Um, Find a Grave says that his father was Jonathan Corwin, who was one of the judges during the witch trials and the owner of the witch house. But that's not accurate. George was actually Jonathan's nephew. I saw one account that said that Jonathan Corwin's father had five children, And one was named John with an H and another Jonathan without an H. So I'm not really sure who George Corwin's parents were. Uh, And honestly, to to be real, uh, it's not important to the story. And I I just don't have like the the energy or, or time or care to look into that and fall into rabbit holes of genealogy. Um, but I think that this is a good example of things that you find in the internet are not always true. Find a Grave is like very often correct. It's a good source that I like to reference at the beginning of my rabbit holes when I dive into people, just like Ancestry.com. That's another really good resource when you're looking into like the history of people um, to kind of like start there and work back. But it is not always accurate. And... I think that it's important to sort of uh, acknowledge that. But regardless of his parentage and which Corwin it may or may not have been, Jonathan with an H or Jonathan without an H or someone else entirely, the Corwins themselves were really well-respected people in society, even before Massachusetts was colonized. They are actually descended from a knight of King Edward I named... Sir Gilbert Colwyn II. So this was like during the 12 and 1300s to give perspective. They lived in Cumberland in North England and the ruins of their home is called Workington Hall. And that's actually still there. Like you can go visit the ruins of their home if you ever find yourself in Cumberland. Uh, In England, they were often sheriffs and other noblemen. And when the family came to Massachusetts in 1638, they were shipbuilders and merchants which just meant that they made a buttload of money. So if you remember last week, we kind of talked about that a little bit, how, you know, you had like Salem Town and then you had Salem Village and Salem Farms and the people in Salem Town were the ones who were like really wealthy and really prosperous. That's where the Corwins lived. George Corwin, his home is where the Merchant Inn 
is today. That's where like the the land was where he was living when he was alive. And then of course, Jonathan Corwin, his uncle is the witch house. So they were very much in in downtown, very close to where the waterfront was back then, which means they were like primo people in society and very, very wealthy. <laughs> Find a grave again, says that George Corwin was married twice. But again, like with that information on the site. Take that with a grain of salt. But his first wife, Susanna, he married in 1688 and she died in 1693. And then he promptly married her sister, Lydia, the same year. Uh, she had his first and only child also that same year. Uh, I, I am probably projecting my personal feelings of him onto the situation, but I have thoughts about marrying your dead wife's sister that I will not express here today. But his main claim to fame, of course, is being the sheriff in Salem during the witch trials. If you remember from the last episode, he was responsible for the pressing of Giles Corey. George Corwin was 25 years old when the witch trials started in Salem in 1692. He was appointed sheriff the same day that the court of Oyer and Terminer was established on May 27, 1692. And it was not nepotism at all that led to his position. Uh, it wasn't the fact that his uncle was was Judge Corwin and his other uncle was Judge Winthrop and his father-in-law was Judge Gedney, who were all members of the court of Oyer and Terminer. That definitely is, uh, is, is not why he was appointed sheriff at all. <clears throat> One of his main jobs was to cart the convicted witches, quotes, air quotes that you can't see because this is a podcast, but convicted witches that were to be executed to Proctor's Ledge, but he would also confiscate property of the convicted. He wouldn't take their land um, because that was actually illegal, but he would take everything on the land. So livestock, harvests, things around the house, like furniture, kitchenwares, jewelry, so pretty much everything that like made the house a home. To clarify, this was if it was a man or a widow that was condemned, because if it was a married woman who was condemned, she didn't own anything, even in her own house. These things that he confiscated were supposed to be stored and inventoried to help pay the jail costs and support families if it were to lead to an execution. But George would just steal it sometimes, like John Proctor. Uh, Sheriff Corwin confiscated all of his livestock and then sold it and slaughtered it which obviously caused a lot of issues, which we will get to. But he wouldn't take the land. I've had a lot of people that I hear, especially like in downtown Salem when I'm doing tours and stuff, that will say that like it was all about the land. And, and the whole reason why the, the witchcraft trials were done was because people wanted to confiscate the land. They wanted the good farming areas. They wanted the, the easier access to the ports and all of that, which just was not the case. Because English law, which they were still following over here and not just the colonies, forbade that from happening. Like you couldn't confiscate land. You could just confiscate like everything on the land that made the land worthwhile, but you couldn't actually confiscate the land. There are some rumors that George Corwin inspected and tortured people who were accused in his home, but there's no evidence that supports that. I did read a lot that said that this happened in taverns, though. George Corwin's favorite was one called The Cat and the Wheel. So, you know, they would have taverns and inns where people would be like merrymaking and eating food and drinking ales and all of that. And then like in the next room, they would have someone being tortured 
for being a witch. And and the, the torture wasn't as bad as it was like in Scotland and stuff like that. It was typically like making the person sit without food and water. It was, you know, the water tests and that kind of stuff. So they weren't like beating the people necessarily, but they were still uh, subjecting them to torture and sleep deprivation and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But the biggest thing that he's known for during his life is what we talked about last time. He was majorly involved in the death of Giles Corey. And legend says that Giles Corey's last words were like cursing the sheriff and his entire town. For more information on that, go back to the last episode if you need a refresher. We're not going to talk about that anymore. But uh, the curse of Giles Corey seemed to ring true because George became the first of a long line of sheriffs that were afflicted with issues having to do with their chest. George died in 1696 at the age of 30 of a heart attack, which is like crazy young. Um, I'm going to be 30 this year and I would really like to not die of a heart attack because I feel like I'm just living. So uh, that must have been like a really big shock to to him and like all of his family but that is not where his story ends so unsurprisingly when he died he was really really unliked (laughs) at this point people were starting to feel really like regrettable about everything that happened with the witch trials and he was a big part of it also there were a lot of people who could afford to flee from salem when they were accused who came back and found that their stuff was missing because corwin would confiscate it but then sell it instead of holding on to it like he was supposed to so I'm going to tell the the legend and then I'm going to tell what a local historian said when I asked them about this because I thought it was really interesting. So uh, this is one of the questions that I asked. Um, so legend has it that Philip and Mary English were some of those people who fled to New York. Philip was a merchant and he was one of the wealthiest men in town. He actually existed. That's not the legend. <laughs> the legend is that when he returned home after the witch trials ended, he found that Sheriff Corwin and maybe others, but mostly Corwin, had confiscated $1,200 of his belongings from his house, shop, wharves, warehouses, and it was all gone. Most likely sold. And now somebody might be like, that's not much money. (laughs) My rent is like double that in Salem. But in today's money, that would have been over $100,000, which is like a really good chunk of change. I would pay money just to see $100,000. So for the first few years in between the end of the trials and Corwin's death, English was constantly just like filing lawsuits against him, trying to sue him for his property that was legally disposed of and and most likely sold. So when George Corwin died, legend has it, his family was so worried that the people in the town would desecrate his corpse that they stored it in the basement under his house. So English placed a lien on his corpse. And when that didn't work, he threatened to steal it and hold it for ransom. Now that's the legend. His body may have been stored in the basement for a while because they were afraid of uh, his corpse being desecrated. But but English didn't actually put a lien on his corpse. He just put a lien on like everything that he owned. And the way that things were written back then, it would say things like um, the the body of blah, 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 which meant everything that he owned, everything that was important, his home, his belongings, and all of that. But people have interpreted that literally to literally mean like the body of George Corwin. So that, according to a local historian that I asked who specializes in the witchcraft trials, it is not accurate. It wasn't actually a lien on his corpse. It was just a lien on everything that he owned. Unfortunately for Philip English, nothing really came of it. I read that after he died, his relatives got like of the $1,200, which is better than nothing, but, but not great. So 
Corwin was eventually buried in Broad Street Cemetery. Whether it was immediately or the legend holds true that it was sometime after the fact, his headstone is at least there today. And like I mentioned, where his house was is where the Merchant Inn is now located. And it's said to be one of the most haunted places in Salem. So if you come to Salem and you stay at the Merchant Inn, just keep that in mind that a terrible person once lived on those grounds and he may be haunting them even today. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have a story from history or mythology that you'd like to hear me discuss, please reach out. All of my contact information is going to be in the description, um, or you can email me at fdephistory at gmail.com. All of my socials are at fdephistory. I'm a terrible millennial and I never post anything ever, but it is there if you want it. If you like what you heard today and you'd like to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving a review or joining my Patreon where you get access to all sorts of goodies that I have described in other episodes. And remember, friends, history may be watching you, so don't fuck it up. Or someone might put a lean on your corpse. <laughs> Bye.